0: You want to answer the questions? What are you answer questions? What's your favorite color? I have to accept that my favorite color is blue. What
1: kind of blue though? Because um, there's, like a baby blue and then there's like blue.
0: I love blue. I love blue. Um I'm very big on like the aquas, the turquoise. Okay. Like the mixture of the green.
1: Okay. I've seen you traveled recently. Are you like big on traveling and like what's one of those your most favorited, like trips you've been on or places you've
0: been I am big on traveling Um, if you listen to the first episode I've tapped a lot into my spiritual side this past year and I was actually reading more into my spirituality this morning Mm -hmm. uh, and I I think is my um, it's called my destination number which is a five and it talks about why I (laughs) It talks about why I enjoy change, mm-hmm. why I love traveling, why I just love freedom. Okay. And that's always what I always wanted. Um, so definitely something that there's information i want probably share with you to kind of better understand mm-hmm. like, who you are and why you enjoy certain things. Before, I couldn't tell you why. Right. But since kind of falling into alignment and understanding my soul purpose, because mm-hmm. we are a soul before we are within a physical form, has allowed me to kind of connect the dots. So I would have definitely answered some of these questions a lot differently a year ago than I am today. And that's
1: beautiful that you've grown like so much within the last year, it's scary. <laughs> where are you from? I am from Harvard, Connecticut, Okay. born
0: and raised. Okay, so you've been here your whole life. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I do have plans to relocate. Um, you know where, you just... My soul tells me I belong in California. Okay. But my family says no. <laughs> So uh, we've been exploring um, Georgia. Me too. We've been exploring Georgia. I'm gonna go down there to
1: get my masters.
0: Nice. Nice. I got three semesters left, and then I'm out. Do it. Do it. Do it. it. And you ain't got no responsibilities. Uh -uh. (laughs) But Chucky says, "Puckle (laughs) of responsibilities." Always to listen. If you ain't got no kids, you ain't got nothing. Right. Nothing to attach yourself to. Go. And I mean, even if you do, you can make it work. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm always making it work. Right. Uh, but, some, but some people, it's also a limiting belief, right? Yeah. Some people think that, like, they can't live outside of their children. Yeah. Uh, which, we'll get into that as well, right? Okay. Um, in regards to, like, how I navigated as a teenage mom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So, let's just
1: get into it. Yes. All right. So, that's a great, uh, like, transition into the first question. Um, what was the age that you had your daughter? So, I had my daughter... We will be 10 in october okay at the age of 19. okay and
0: then how was your experience being a teenage mom can we talk about how i felt <laughs> yeah sure yeah, yeah. Uh, well i i conceived her towards the end of my senior year okay. so i had a yep. high school so i had her as a freshman on college um and i remember having her and going back to school the next week <laughs> yeah like people were like go back next semester take some time off and i was like oh right no i'm i'm, I'm gonna go um and i had in regards to me being a teenage parent um because people were like oh you weren't a teenager you know, i was 19 i was nine 19. motherfucking teen right like i was a teenage mom right like i don't think anybody no matter how young you are just how old you are ever prepares to have their first kid mm-hmm. um, but a lot of it i did have a lot of guilt I guilted myself tremendously um, because I was always away from her. Like I go choosing to kind of like, continue on with my college education required me to be away from her like for long periods of time. Like I would have to get up at five to catch the bus at six. Um go to school, like cause you know them pre-reqs. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you are you are in school from like eight AM to like two PM right. and then I would be waiting for the bus to go to work. Right. And I'll be at work from like four to nine and I'll be getting home like right at 10 or 11. And my time with her was literally on my days off, when I'm not gonna lie, I also did like, skip school a lot to be a parent. Right. You know, I, was, I was always a parent, you know, when I was going to school, but I did like, there was days where I was like, I'm not going to school because I would be home. Right right. I had that feeling of guilt. Um, yeah, so I, I had this, this pattern of just kind of working and going to school. And I, I questioned how good of a parent for a very long time. But I always told myself that if I'm going to be taking time away with my child, it's going to be well worth it.
1: Right, and it has. And it has,
0: right? Because college has also taught me that like, of course, like being being there for your kids is extremely essential in every aspect of their lives. Mm-hmm. But being there for your kids in the most difficult developmental stages, which is like late like um, school age and teenage years, is what I have developed. Right. Because she's about to be 10 and still have. She'll be 10. And the thing about her is, I think what we often forget as parents is that time, yes, time matters. Mm-hmm. But it's what you do with the time you do have that matters the most. My child, when I mean me and my daughter, have the strongest relationship ever. Out of all people that I connect with in this world, mm-hmm. If I had that one individual that I love the most, mm-hmm. second to myself and God, like first to God, is my daughter. Like she trumps every other relationship I have because literally she I think me having her at that early age allowed me to survive. Mm-hmm. I allowed me to experience love. Because that's what I didn't have. Right. So as a teenage mom, was there diff- was there challenges? Yes. Of but i saw the beauty or i, I kind of saw what i didn't have that mm-hmm. i didn't know i needed the most um and then of course as time progressed that guilt allowed me to always make more conscious decisions so i was like all right i want to get my license <laughs> right like so when you get your license you know you don't have to wake up so early so you can have time with it um i decided to go and i, I got like. My first time I did income tax, I got like six G's. Back. Mm-hmm.
1: And I was
0: like, I saved it up and I saved it up for a car. <laughs> I remember taking that and um, kind of digging, and, like, dividing it up. I was like, okay, I'm saving for my car. And I'm going to take the rest and I'm going to dedicate it for a certification. And a lot of that was just so I can make sure I was still with my child. Was right. still doing. It. Still doing things to better our lives in the future. Uh, so I was always intentional. Um, I was I was never careless. Um, I did put her first. So during that time, it's like I was going to school. I was working. Um, and any extra time I had, I, ha- I did it with her. Mm-hmm. My daughter has. She is <laughs> a very spoiled child. One thing I always did is every time I was away, I always make sure I bought her something back. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I realized that's an uh, unhealthy pattern that I set her up for. Um, because every time I leave, what you coming, what you coming back with? Right. Um, so now I'm trying to teach her that you don't need something yeah, every time I leave. Um, but a lot of it was just like I I didn't allow the guilt of being a teenage mom to stop me because I always had that logic. I was like, yeah, it's hard now, mm-hmm. but it's either you allow it to be hard now, so better can be in the future. Right. I kind of just took the losses, took the losses with it. Um, and literally, she was just, I prioritized her over myself, which led to a lot of mental health issues mm-hmm. and self-esteem because of weight gain and all the other stuff that we can eventually talk about.
1: Right. <laughs> um, So I'm assuming you had a decent support system in, like, Village when you were a new mom. I did, and I didn't. Okay.
0: Okay. Um I did because I did it. My mom and my sister um, were home at the time. Um, my daughter's father was very involved uh, when he could. Um, but when I say I didn't, is I also received the backlash from being absent. Mm. So it was just like, it was something I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to assist you, but you ain't never here right. type of thing. So it was just like the emotional aspect of having that support
1: or like if the intent was actually pure, I couldn't see that for what it is. Right, so have you had a conversation with them about that like at all since then?
0: Um, we have had conversations. Um, sometimes it lens into some physical altercations. Right. Um, like I said, like, I never allowed those things to fully stop me because then when my daughter turned two, I was researching fucking affordable daycares. Right. And I put her as a daycare, so it was no longer an issue, right? right? But I get it. It's like to have to watch somebody else go out and work and live out their dreams and you're watching their kid, like I have some fucking resentment too. Right. So it's like I understand. Overthinking has did has put, put a number on me as well, mm-hmm. but overthinking has allowed me to also just be more logical and understand about people and why they respond the same way they do. Mm-hmm. So do I do I have any guilt? Yes, I'm here. Right. Like, I have nothing, like, I, I kind of needed to see that, so I didn't fully rely on someone else to um, attribute to my success, mm-hmm. right? So I need to kind of know what it felt like to not have a sh- security in certain aspects right. so I can go out and get security myself. Right. Uh, I've always been an individual to kind of find the lesson in certain situations. Um, so, but if I didn't, I kinda of probably wouldn't be in this position because I'll just allow that guilt to manifest into so much more and would not be
1: here. So how did you juggle school working relationships,
0: internships,
1: and being a mom?
0: I didn't. <laughs> um, I was actually diagnosed with depression and I actually enrolled in therapy. During my junior year of college, okay, um, I suffered a lot from mental health issues. Um, and I, I always suffered from mental health issues, but never realized that's what it was. Right. Um, I just got to the point where was, this was the first time in my life I was actually asking for help. And mm-hmm. I remember having a physical and my doctor um, doing um, a PHQ-9 assessment on me, which assesses for depression.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he was like, oh. I'm like, oh well. He's like, you mean that's like um and then he asked me more follow-up questions and he was like, yeah, you're kind of like on some like severe depression right now. Oh wow, uh, what? And he was like, so I uh, kind of I'm gonna like he asked first he asked for my consent, but he was like, I'm I'm concerned enough that I'm just gonna submit your referral. Um and it was actually with CHS, so what CHS on all of me Okay. So I was in the adolescence department and the behavior Health was downstairs. Um And that's the first time I kind of like stepped into there. Right. I didn't have a social life. (laughs) I didn't like a social life, a social, a social life of my choosing. Mm -hmm. Right. So I didn't really. I've never been the type of girl to have just a large amount of friends. Right. I always have like two to three individuals I can count on. Um, but one thing about me is I, I got along well with most people that I interacted with. So there was a lot of friends that I was able to develop at work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, dating, I dated at mm-hmm. that time. Like it was a shit show. Yeah. I wasn't with my daughter's father. Mm-hmm. mean That, that relationship really ended prior to her turn of one. Um, and then I was involved with um, my high school sweetheart for on and off for like eight years. Mm-hmm. So I was involved with like one person that was like a shit show. Right. Um, but for the most part, um, I didn't. I was very disciplined when it came to like dating or like uh, pursuing people. Um, I really, and I did not until I started to like focus on myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, for a long time, I did not have shit figured out. I was like a fucking zombie. I was just kind of like going, all going through just, just, day by just, day and just, and just doing it until like there was like little inclinations where somebody had to like throw a rope down and I was like, all right, you gotta you gotta get out of this tunnel, like, right. um, and just being like having someone else take take concern in regards to like my physical, my mental presentation.
1: Yeah, because sometimes we don't see it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I
0: remember seeing pictures of myself and I was like, that's me, right? Look, like, I didn't realize how big I got until someone else took a picture of me.
1: Wow.
0: And just kinda of allowing yourself to see how like how much we can we can be oblivious and dismissive too when we're very low. Mm-hmm. Um and just having that doctor's visit and him, first of all I was already I was already overweight. Um I was already dealing with all types of other health issues. Right. Um and for him to be like, Oh yeah, and your mental health issue too. <laughs> like I was like, Oh, so something something got
1: right.
0: Well it was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it um, because it's like one thing about me is my problem-solving abilities are superior. I, I know how to get myself out of something. I know how to like think completely differently when I'm in a, like a crunch for time or a different mm-hmm. situation. So I'm very thankful for a lot of my experiences.
1: Well, so we're going to move on to co-parenting and the pros and cons you've experienced co-parenting. Let's clarify.
0: Co-parenting was nothing. I I'd never seen co-parenting. Okay. Like I I was born and raised to a tribe of strong. I hate to say strong because no you no know, they don't need to be strong. They're mm-hmm. women. Um, I was raised around a lot of just women who were single moms. Okay. Like I come from a long list of just single women, right. single women. Um So like co-parenting wasn't necessarily something that I knew existed. Right. Um, and I was actually forced to co-parent. <laughs> I was actually forced to go parenting because I was um, summoned to court oh, wow. by my child, my um, my daughter's father, and his family to um, get his parental rights. Wow. I, that, that experience also lot made me fail out of college. So I, oh, wow. I, I almost fell out of college my first room. Well, my second year, because I did one year at community college, and I did. And then my second year, I completely almost. Fell out because I was going through with court. I was battling issues with um, guilt, skipping classes because of the guilt and wanting to kind of be you with know, my daughter. Um, so I kind of got under a 2.0 GPA and I was on academic probation. Wow. Um, but no, nope, I was forced into co parenting. Um, I had to go to court and we had to go through the process of, being, um, of, going, of doing it jointly. So we had an arrangement where. Um I had her on the weekdays and he had on the
1: weekends.
0: Okay. Which also gave me balance. Right. Right. So um yeah.
1: Uh, so how was that experience?
0: It, the court process was a fucking nightmare. I would never yeah. do that shit again. You can have the kid at that point. <laughs> um the pros of it is you have that
1: support. Right. Um
0: do I hate the fact that did I hate the fact that I had to go through court at that process? Absolutely. It mm-hmm. took me away from so much. Right. Um, you haven't been through court? That is a fucking nightmare.
1: No, but I've seen it first. It's thing. a
0: nightmare. It, it, I don't ever want to go through that, but it's a, it was another wake-up call that I needed in my life. Mm-hmm. Um and the message is like to me, you don't have to go through shit by yourself. Right. Um if you have if you have a support and you want you have people around you that want to support you, utilize them. Um, so it was it was a very hard pill to swallow because one it was some, it wasn't something I was used to, two it wasn't something that I was will that I willfully wanted, right? Um, and three it was a lot of inconveniences and caused, so many inconveniences inconveniences. Um, but it allowed me to break generational curse mm-hmm. and do things differently. Um, Cause that's what my life purpose is. Always, right. always go against the great Always doing something differently, and sometimes we have to understand where it's not necessarily something that we have to come into acknowledge, but something that we are forced to have to acknowledge. Right. Um, so I definitely appreciate them for being like, nah, bitch.
1: We want responsibility too. <laughs> We're trying to help,
0: help you out, right? We want right. the responsibility too, um, and seeing the benefits it did have.
1: That's good yeah um i mentioned it before but i feel like my experience with co-parenting is a lot of people a lot of experience a lot of people don't get to get mm-hmm. um i'm very fortunate that it happened the way it did um my parents were always on the same page and even if they weren't i didn't know because mm-hmm. they always you know had a good strong front, and i got to get close with both sides of my family yeah so like i could call my grandfather on both sides call my grandmother on both sides went to go see them there when it was like It was very like I knew where I came from on both aspects. So I feel like co parenting, if you can do it, Mm -hmm. it's the most beautiful thing to be able to do.
0: And something is something that I had to learn as a social worker and a children's therapist. Mm -hmm. I've seen as a social worker one 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 skill is that we're conditioned to is always seeing the strengths in people mm-hmm. sometimes you have to radically accept that you have though you you have to accept that you have no control over how somebody else chooses to parent right um along is safety is considered mm-hmm. so safety trumps all and when it comes to like yes i got two baby daddies <laughs> um, and when it comes to us co-parenting I, I acknowledge their strengths. Right. And I allow them to show up in their strengths. Cause they're also two black men. Right. So of course we don't like I don't enable their behavior because like where you fall short I pick up. Right. Because there's not much I fall short in. <laughs> um but when it comes to their strengths and they're really they're really good at something, and there's something that they're it doesn't cause so much inconvenience and mm-hmm. it's not a strength for them, I allow them to show up. Right. And being able, a lot of it, when it comes to co-parenting, is I, I love being a mom. Do I enjoy being a mom 24% Absolutely not. Um, so I prioritize figuring shit out so right. I can have my respite, so I can have my time. Um, it'll also allow me, like you mentioned, um, to give my kids that community. Mm-hmm. I have an amazing support system when it comes to my kids. Like you see me in vacation last week. Right. My kids was not on vacation with me. <laughs> I'm going on vacation in two weeks. Right. They're not going on vacation with me. Um, because I've ha- I have that support. And a lot of the support comes from their fathers mm-hmm. and their
1: father's parents. That's good. Um, so I'm ve- ve- I'm very blessed in that aspect. Right. That's good. Um, so but it reminds me of like my situation. And it's setting your children up for like like what you're instilling in them now, like My parents had a set schedule. So like, I was always responsible for like, Deanna, pack your bag. Like you're going to, you know, the day is coming for you to go to your other parent's house. And whatever I left at one parent's house, I did without until I got to my other parent, like until I I went back. So like, I'm very like organized now. I kind of can tell you where everything is. Like my planner, I have to write everything down or I will forget, but like they had me on a set schedule. Like I remember that schedule even now, Monday, Tuesday is dad. Wednesday, Thursday, mom, every other weekend, yeah. dad, mom, Sunday, you're going to your mom's. Like, I, like, you know, and my mom used to drive 20 minutes to drop me off to school. So, like, if I left something at my dad's, I was just shit out of luck until I went back to my dad. So it you made me more organized, responsible, responsible, organized, disciplined, and just smooth sailing. And the thing about it is
0: we talk about trauma, mm-hmm. but we also got to talk about the level of resiliency trauma. Gives us. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my therapists, um... My, she's not my therapist, she's my supervisor, Jane. And one thing she taught me was nothing is never not done.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No matter if you feel like you're when you're walking into a session with a client and nothing was never done, there's something that's always meant to be learned and taken away from. And regards to like you, you I'm sure in that process you didn't really enjoy having to do that. No, not but at all. as an adult,
1: <laughs> I profound, see found
0: like impact it had on your ability to be organized right. something i struggled with right? Right. tremendously right? right i wish i had like my executive functions really good. Mm-hmm. um but kind of uh, like being able to acknowledge how those trials and tribulations also
1: helped to blossom right and blossom us i thank them to this day like thank you like it was annoying when i was little because it was like damn like I wanted to do something at my mom's house this weekend, but I got to go to my dad's house. So I just had to plan accordingly. Like, Mm -hmm. planning was like the biggest thing. Because I was in dancing, I played basketball, like, I was in a lot of extracurricular activities. So it's like, damn, if I left my ballet shoes at my mom's house, I just got to figure it out. You know, like, they made me responsible. And it's not like it was a bad thing, it was just something I didn't understand until I got older. So now, like, I'm very responsible for a lot. And it's funny because I, like I said, I'm gonna
0: take my therapist hat off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna challenge you because I remember early in this in, early in this interview, we said um, how high the expectations have for everybody else around mm-hmm. you, and I said how that was unrealistic. Um, and we have to understand when it comes to our individualized experiences, mm-hmm. nobody is going to do exactly how you do what you do and how you expect to do because their experiences are very different. Way. How many fit friends you know had the same upbringings that were identical to you? Probably just my sister. Exactly. <laughs> right. So the, so when it comes to your sister, your sister can right. adhere to some of your expectations because what was instilled in her was very similar. Right. When it comes to our other friends, they they may fall short in some aspects when we fly where we fly high and right. vice versa, and being able to be mindful in regards to where we give and who we give those expectations right. to. So, a lot of it is being able to kind of know the company we're keeping mm-hmm. and being able to, to kind of acknowledge are we setting them up to fail? Right. Or are we truly being their friend and allowing them to grow and work through that process? Mm-hmm. And is it something they're receptive to? Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to always challenge you in regards to like when we place expectations, right. I'm going to place expectations on somebody I know is capable, right. Opposed to setting an unrealistic expectation and they continue to fall short, right. Because it not only impacts me, but it impacts whatever. Uh, negative cognition be developed over life. Well, I'm just never good enough. Nobody wants to be around me, and uh, we're not in the game for retraumatizing, right? Anymore, right? So uh, a lot of it is comes with just emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and realizing when we are seeing this. The word comes up again: self-sabotaging, mm-hmm. putting these, putting these um, unrealistic expectations on ourselves, right. and for us to receive shortcomings and the shortcomings at the end of that, right? Um, but when it comes to benefits overall for um, co-parenting, put your fucking pride aside. Um, it's not about you and um, ego, exactly, and your ego. Like as a children therapist and as a um, just adult therapist now, one when it comes to like clients, I refer to I prefer to take. I would never touch those cases. Those are some of the most toxic cases ever because it's never about the kid. Right. It's always about you. Hurt me. You did that. And, right. Right. And you, know, you have to learn how to put your feelings aside from that individual and acknowledge what they can do. For the betterment
1: of the child. At the better and of the a child. lot of people do not realize that. Mm-hmm. Like me and my sister, we have the same dad, we got different moms. And somewhere along the lines our past just kinda went two different ways. And I'm still trying to figure out like how, what, when, where, how like how.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: it's just it's above me. It's it is what it is. Exactly. Not everything is meant to be figured out. No, it's not. Especially <laughs> if it ain't got nothing to do with you. Not man. <laughs> so what are some of your plans for the future? They're always changing. They're always changing.
0: One thing about me is I enjoy educating people. Okay. Um, I do want to do something with education.
1: Okay. Um,
0: whatever allows me to be free, <laughs> to be myself, Right. is the plan that I'm going with. Um, at this moment, I think, of course, like, I branched off of that as a private um, practitioner. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of, like, doing my doing my individual work as a therapist. um okay. Exploring ways to kind of put myself out there, um, like podcasting. I do want to be Arthur. Okay. Um, I did explore going back for my Ph.D., um... I don't think that's something that I need to do. Right yeah, now. you don't. Um, you know, yeah, and I have a lot of like a lot of my um, clients are in grad school and in their doctoral programs, and I'm like, you guys are helping me. Yeah. I ain't doing that to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, honestly, wherever wh- wherever the opportunities take me, right, just continue to put myself out there. Continue to put my story out there. Continue to allow other people to put their stories out there, and wherever that goes. Um, I do have a life path number of eleven. Okay. am life and have a Life path number. No. so Okay. We'll we'll Google we'll, we'll do the calculations. We're gonna be
1: spending a lot of time together. So. Yeah, we will. Right?
0: <laughs> um, my life path number is eleven, um, and okay. I am meant to be, be a. I'm okay. meant to be an educator. I'm meant to kind of um, go against the grain to inspire and assist other people. Kind of becoming the the who they're supposed to be. Right. Um, and that's when I when I speak in episode one, in regards to my alignment, like, right
1: mm-hmm.
0: where I need to be. I don't want to put any other expectations
1: on myself. I'm kind of just going with it. And if I enjoy it, that's what, that's what we're going. And I feel like a lot of people put expectations on themselves when they really don't necessarily have to. Like, Absolutely. you just got to kind of take things day by day. Mm-hmm. I've learned that. But putting expectation on myself
0: saves me. That too. I think there's a couple questions in there in regards to, like, talking about, like, my depression and Mm -hmm. what kind of keeps me going. Mm -hmm. Having, like, having high expectations for myself Mm -hmm. saves me. Like, it saved saved me in regards to, like, not giving up. Right. Um, I dealt with severe postpartum depression. Um,
1: Was that the first time or both times?
0: No, I did so. I did not get a chance to experience postpartum with my daughter because I was nineteen and I never had the opportunity to sit down.
1: Okay, so you were just so I was just going, 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 going. going, going.
0: Um, But with my son, it's funny because I always say like depression is a luxury,
1: Mm
0: and people be like, "What the fuck is that?" (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's so. Listen, so the thing about it. it, okay, so the thing about it is, depression is a luxury in today's age because. Most times, if you if you don't have a, a like safety or security, mm-hmm. you're forced to be productive. You're forced to go 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 go. So most times, people have to work multiple jobs. Don't really get the opportunity to sit down and silence. That's like right? my problem right now. Exactly right. <laughs> you don't really you don't really
1: get the time. You don't really have opportunity. You don't I, give yourself the opportunity. I think I do focus. it to myself though. Yeah. I don't it's boring. It's boring. Yeah, definitely. That's exactly. one of my like. uh negative drinks I guess I we all got I don't like to say when that's anything. your way of yourself that's your way of your body and your brain keeps you
0: safe right yeah. there's um trauma responses mm-hmm. right um with the four of them so most times when it comes to like depression it's often have to get... you also have to give yourself the opportunity to be depressed. Right. And a lot of that is in times of isolation mm-hmm. right times where you can be loved. So when when I was 19 compared to when I was 27 at 27 I was very established. Right. I had my house I didn't have to live paycheck to paycheck. I was saving. Right. Like, I was doing a lot of things. And I just, it was times where I was just alone mm-hmm. with my son. My postpartum didn't look like me wanted to harm myself, but me wanted to harm, my like, not wanting to harm myself, but me wanted to harm myself. Right. Because it's like, I did a lot. And what I mean, like, I did a lot. Like, I accomplished a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. I finally was comfortable in my body. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any ounce of time to give back to myself. Right, right, I had to right. give it to him, mm-hmm. and I suffered tremendously because I was low.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Every, and, but everything else was taken care of. Right. Everything was taken care of. And it was just those times where I remember like being home at night with him. And most times, Jordan can tell you, when I am having like a depressive episode, where I'm going on the tangent is most times at night. Okay, When I'm just sitting there and I just realized I wasted my entire day. Me too. I didn't eat. I didn't brush my teeth. I didn't mm-hmm. shower. I didn't do nothing I wanted to do for myself. Right. And that would drive me crazy. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, definitely, it was the first time where I actually explored um, psychotropic medications. Okay. So, as a therapist, um, I did try antidepressants earlier, but uh, you know, one thing us is we want a quick quick pill it's, it takes time for antidepressants to kick in um but during that like after i had my son was the most scariest part in my life it was very scary because i'm just like just fleeing thoughts of just right. just wanting to die wanting to die wanting right to die. i remember somebody telling me oh i remember like you was going off of social media for a long period of time man you came back and you leveled up and i was like i wasn't go on from social media because I wanted to level up. I wanted to
1: die. Right, you were going through and it. I
0: was, I wanted to die. And when I talk about high expectations, I think during that time, the only thing that kind of kept me alive was my children and knowing that my clients needed me. Right. Knowing that people needed show you. up Right. to see me. So when it comes to like my high expectations, it, it made me difficult, like internally for myself, but mm-hmm. externally that's what keeps me going.
1: Okay. Ready for the next question? Yeah. Are you sure? I think so. Okay all right so why did you make the decision to leave your most recent relationship when the guy was your best friend okay i hear that question and i don't
0: know if they actually heard the first episode uh right so we talk about changing right mm-hmm. um and a lot, i think that was something a lot of people had a hard time respecting my decision for because people think when relationships end this is this catastrophic thing right it's this
1: horrible or who cheated
0: on who, right who had an affair something had to happen, right? no everything good I wasn't right I wasn't good because it was the first time in my life we have to say I just came out of a two-year depression right like I cut off my medications I just quit my full-time job right I'm at this place where I was like yeah like you're putting yourself first mm-hmm. like there is no compromising like my boundaries were like secure right. nah, like this is what I want this is what's gonna go mm-hmm. and sometimes you have to understand that when we walk into certain relationships we present ourselves differently mm-hmm. but when you heal you detach yourself right. from a lot of the behaviors and things that you did, that you used to do or that you um, kind of like encompassed to survive. Right. So I walked into that relationship with him and a lot of my expectations for him weren't high. Mm-hmm. They were very little. Don't get me wrong, he's a great individual. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that my demands changed. Right. And I felt like my demands at that time, I was very, impatient i wasn't willing to wait anymore so it's like i i set the tone and i know it takes time for people to match the tone Mm -hmm. but it's just like i don't want to wait no more right because if i wait now i'm enabling me continue to self-neglect myself right right so it's just like i remember us having a conversation and i was like i want you at my table i don't know Mm -hmm. how that's going to look but at this time my priority is me Mm -hmm. not neglecting myself anymore right and something he couldn't understand Mm-hmm. Right, something I couldn't understand either, but I knew at the end of the day, I wasn't going to do the same shit to him day before.
1: Mm-hmm. It
0: was my it was it's my time to make myself happy. Right, um, and when we speak about him being my best friend, like he's the one behind the camera, right? Mm-hmm. Now, right? <laughs> so it's just like it's nothing wrong with being okay to acknowledge that there are certain places and people that no longer serve you because. You're at a different place That's in life. life.
1: Yeah, It's nothing, it's, it ain't got nothing to do with them and nothing to do with
0: you. It's just that people grow apart.
1: Right, and it's continuously going to happen like that. Exactly. Like, even if you look at, like, a pot,
0: mm-hmm. right? A
1: pot that has, like,
0: multiple flowers that grow from it. They don't right. all grow the same way. They don't all, like, maneuver differently. Right. Because, like, things do grow in the way they're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And if we're meant to reconnect with each other, we'll do that.
1: right. And that's what a lot of people don't understand either. Sometimes it's not the it's not the right time. There's a time and a place for everything. It's the right person, but the timing is just a little off. Absolutely.
0: Um, and if it's meant to be, it will always come it back. What is well, no, what's the what's the new term? Make it uh, double back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if it's meant to be, it's gonna double back. Maybe triple sometimes. Yeah. <laughs>